Hey folks, I wanted to let you know ahead of time that the audio for me in the episode that follows is not great. Kyle's audio is fine and I hope it is listenable, but I apologize in advance and we will hopefully do better next time. Hey folks, welcome to episode 285 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined from Bronston, Kentucky by Kyle Wood. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, Kyle, you're here, well, you're there in uh, in Kentucky on the spot for the Toyota Series Championship. Um, I guess, you know, tell me about the weather. Is there snow? Because really the weather is what we're talking about this week. <laughs> There, uh, yes, there is snow. However, it's currently sunny out. Uh, it's actually like a pretty pleasant day. And, uh, a lot of the snow, at least in the grass around here has melted. So, so sad. Like it may not be super snowy in the photos tomorrow on the lake, but, uh, I mean, there was a fair amount of snow to begin with that came down on day three of practice. So then yesterday, uh, it was pretty windy and cold, and uh, today it's pretty nice and sunny, and I think it's actually supposed to warm up a little for the tournament, so maybe some of that really nasty winter weather crap got out of the way, but uh, either way, there's going to be some small mouse caught and probably some big large mouse, and it's going to be cool. All right. Well, I think we should note one that we're not, we don't have an interview for this one. It's just going to be Kyle, you and I talking, so we're basically, we're in the show right now. Mm-hmm. And two, folks, you got to go to FLWFishing.com and check out the photos of snow that Kyle took with Nick Ratliff because they are oh so choice. It, it, uh, it I mean, Cumberland is a, it's a, it's a scenic lake and like a pretty cool lake, especially yes. in the spring, you know, Extremely. when things are, yeah, things are blooming and green, but it was like pretty cool with snow, uh, tickling the treetops and, uh. There were parts of the the shorelines that had some snow on them too. Uh, the lake was real foggy, like steamy yesterday. It was super cool. Yeah, I have not fished uh, Cumberland with snow on the ground. I fished Dale Hollow with snow on the ground, and it's excellent. I highly recommend. Oh. Um, but anyhow, I guess Kyle, what do we think is going to happen at Cumberland? Give me kind of the lowdown. This is the Toyota Series Championship. There's Two hundred thousand plus dollars on the line. There's a bazillion dudes in it. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of guys, in it. and it's the final event of the year. Uh, give me the layout. Well, uh, so like when practice started, the water temp was kind of around. I'd say anywhere from like ballpark, like let's say fifty-eight to sixty-ish. You can find warmer some places. You could find cooler some places. Yeah, I think and, David, uh, Davidson texted me, and I think he said it was like, I'd want to go look, but it was like upper 50s in the creeks, low 60s in the lake, which yeah. makes sense because the lake is, for those who don't know, Cumberland, super deep lake, and mm-hmm. it holds heat like crazy compared to Kentucky Lake or Gunnersville or some other of the much shallower lakes in that part of the country. Yes, yes. And um, so, like, I guess the the big 
uh, kind of thing that all the anglers are saying. And, uh, like, the bite gets good, you know, when the water temp's like 55 and below, right? That's kind of like the number you want to see. Um, I thought it was really interesting riding along with Ratlip yesterday uh, because, you know, he fishes here a ton. And uh, he was really kind of the only, other than Ryan Davidson, who you spoke with for the preview, um, like him him and Nick Ratliff are the two guys, two local guys we've really got input from. And Nick had a pretty good quote where he basically said, like, all these guys keep talking about 55, 55, 55. But really right now the lake is, like, sort of turning over. And you can tell because there's chunks of the lake that are, like, way dirtier than normal um like we spent our time yesterday down uh like beaver otter indian creek so the lower end of the lake Mm -hmm. and really like we went on the main river it's like pretty brown looking water like pretty stained looking water you slide back into some of the creeks and then it kind of gets back to that cumberland clear but there's really like a variation across like even you know normally you go up the river it's got a stain to it and that's just kind of like you know where it that's just kind of how it is and it definitely still had that uh, up the lake but even as you come down there's like these little pockets of dirtier water you hit and nick was saying basically that's because the lake's turning over all that uh you know stirred up water that off-colored water's kind of sliding its way down the lake and uh but the water temps yesterday when I was out with them were anywhere from, like, we saw a little bit of 55 and up to, like, 57. It got pretty cool last night. Uh, tonight, I think it's supposed to get pretty cool. So, really, by, like, Friday of this tournament, by day two, like, you know, we could have water temps down into, like, the maybe low, especially mid-50s. And that could potentially help get the bite going a little better. But... Uh, Nick said the reason, one reason right now that the bite's kind of tough is because just, you know, a, a pretty big chunk of the lake is going through turnover at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting that even more than a week ago now, when the lake went off limits, you know, uh, Ryan Davidson was on the water, you know, once, you know, before cutoff. And for that, it was actually, like... The lake was turning over then as well. Yeah. Yep. And he said that the bait was really high in the water column then as well. And mm-hmm. we've seen that it might be really high right now. Maybe it's going to start to get lower in the water column as the tournament goes on. But it, it's interesting that it seems like uh, it seems like things are taking a long time to happen <laughs> on yes. Cumberland. Yes, very much so. Um. From like a, what is your gathering from like a, let's say a technique standpoint and kind of a winning weight standpoint? Do we think it's going to be like 15 or 16 a day or do you think it's going to be like actually good like Cumberland can be? I think just kind of from uh, like a little what I've seen and talking to guys, I feel like 15 to 16 a day is going to be pretty good. Like a lot of the local stuff around here, it hasn't been taking... The weights have been bad. Yeah. It, it, and <laughs> They've it been like been, October weights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that's just kind of how it seems Cumberland's been fishing this year. Like uh, Ratliff was saying, even a lot of the local stuff, 
Um, well, they didn't have a lot early in the spring, but still, like, you know, people go out and fish, and the weights were just not what they normally are. And uh, so I think even though there's a lot of really good guys in the tournament, I mean, unless something really crazy happens on the off day today and going into tomorrow, um, I'd say 15, 16 a day is probably a pretty safe bet. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I guess that being said, I think the the cool thing about having a tournament this time of year is like stuff could change pretty quick, especially with the weather we had. You know what I mean? Like you start yeah. getting that water cooling off. For example, Ratliff caught some fish yesterday doing stuff that he hadn't really played with earlier in the week because the conditions didn't seem right. And then he fished the conditions and, you know, caught a couple three pound smallmouth. So, you know, that was a basically a three day, four day difference between, um, running patterns and and trying different presentations so that'll be kind of interesting i think we'll see a lot of guys cranking um just like from my time on the water there are a ton of guys cranking and uh you know that's kind of what you do on cumberland uh in the you know fall winter i mean guys have cranked on cumberland forever but like the first time we were at cumberland um clark wenlet almost won cranking right like yeah yep that was and yeah like all the wintertime tournaments on Cumberland, you know, they, uh, they crank a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, uh, so I think that'll absolutely play, um, you know, like Upshaw used a jig last year. I think there'll be some guys catching fish on a jig. The, like, if you want to talk about, you know, you mentioned the bait's still really high and it definitely is. Like, I don't think yesterday it, you literally can sit your boat down almost anywhere you want on Cumberland and start marking bait. And it's all like from the surface to maybe, maybe 15, 20 feet down. Like it's all pretty high. And mm-hmm. a lot of these places, you know, it's suspended over whatever, 60, 80 feet of water. Uh, so even like when you're in shallower, if you're like 35, uh, you're still looking at bait like 10 feet down. So for those fish, um, like, you know, you'll see guys catch them on a swim bait. I think a, a rig will be a great way to catch some fish. Um, I don't know. I'm really curious about the spoon thing. And, and Ratliff tried it a couple of times yesterday, but he kept talking about how the fish, like the bait's still too high up and the fish aren't yeah. holding on the bottom, like where you can actually like pin it yeah. to them. Yeah. So that would be a thing that I could see like. Boy, it's setting up good tomorrow. for Cody Huff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, there's going to be a lot of guys, you know, scoping around and uh have you seen much of that in practice like i in my head i just imagined that this is the tournament where yeah the old school is gonna work but somebody is gonna blitz them catching fish that you never would have caught two years ago you know what i mean sure yeah i i don't i don't think i saw a whole lot of people doing it now the interesting thing is like yesterday with ratliff we ran into Cody Huff like multiple times, and uh, like I mean, Ratliff has live scope on his boat, and I mean it, he looked at it a lot, but he still was always doing something that I feel like you could do without live scope. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Though he was trying to check a lot of things and keep it honest, uh, just like at this moment he didn't really think that any of that stuff was gonna probably play too big but you know we'll see he tried a Demiki rig like 
a lot. Uh, well, not a lot, but a fair amount. And uh, it was just like anytime he would find a group of fish that were like closer to the bottom where you could actually drop to them, by the, by the time he'd start letting his line out, you know, the five, six, eight fish that were grouped up would all be scattered and gone. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's why he's got to not throw a Demiki rig and throw a jigging spoon. You know what I mean? Like he, he tried to spoon a couple times and like the, the second the spoon hit the water, they were gone. Man. Uh, he thinks a lot of fish have already kind of gotten smart to, uh, you know, that live scope and, uh, so I don't know. I just I Boy, still don't. I don't buy that on Cumberland. I'm I, like, I know, right? I'm not saying that here's the thing. Last just last year, right? It was barely a thing. And I don't see it at all that they could be that smart to it yet. Yeah. Look at what I, Cody Huff does in the Ozarks. Like the dude smashes them. And if anything, those fish would be wise to him. I don't, I'm, not, <laughs> right. I'm not on board with that train yet, but I do like Nick a lot, so I won't doubt him too much. I mean, I, I don't doubt that there's something to, like, maybe those fish are just weirded out by whatever, you know, I'm sure that thing's pinging them, right? Like, they can feel it. I uh, guess. But I think more more so, it's just, like, where these fish are and where the bait are. Like, yeah, it's just there, there's no reason for them to sit still. So, you know, they're there one second, the next they're... Moving on, um, I it the the other curious thing to me is um, Nick was saying a lot of this a lot of the bait you see is threadfin, especially when you get back kind of in the pockets, and there are a ton of guys running like way backs of pockets. Yep. Um, and there's definitely bait back there, and there's definitely fish to be caught. But it seems like some of the better fish, uh, like from what I've been hearing, and like I watched a few guys catch fish on the water that you know look decent size are kind of like middle of the creeks and stuff even like closer to the main lake and um nick was talking about the alewives in here and like how nomadic it makes those fish and he says like that's where a lot of the really big smallmouths are even the really big spotted bass uh, mm-hmm. and big largemouths um you know will roam around out and that stuff and he said those are the fish that uh as it gets colder you can pin down a little better uh, when they start kind of like maybe they hover over or suspend over a ditch, uh, like at the mouth of a pocket or something. They'll be like slightly more structure related, uh, but he hasn't really seen that yet. And on the main lake, like where a lot of those alewives kind of roam around, there's chunks of the lake that are normally pretty good, but they're really, it's really dirty right now. So then it doesn't really set up too well to like, you know, drop stuff down on them just because of the water color. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely fascinated to see what's going to happen. Because, um, like, it's not the kind of tournament... I don't know. It's not the kind of tournament that's straight ahead to me. I think it... it we could look back on it and be like, okay, well, this was obvious. <laughs> yeah. Because guys could crank and, like, two guys could make the top ten doing some live scopey suspended fish thing. Or it could be something totally different, right? Like, we could see somebody win it like Upshaw did, which was not unheard of but also a little bit unexpected you know Mm -hmm. we could see all sorts of things um do you think it i'm assuming we're feeling pretty good about a majority smallmouth tournament if not if it's not an entirely smallmouth winning bag it's at least a sort of heavy smallmouth emphasis yeah 
Yeah, I think so. I th- it just it seems like the most consistent way to get quality bites is with those small mouths. And like um, uh, even like I rode with uh, Ricky Robinson, you know, the on the second day of practice, and Nick Ratliff. Like both of them talked about uh, like big large mouth bites they got just randomly, you know, catching small mouths basically. Uh, so I think that that factor of like a kicker largemouth uh, will maybe be like a little higher than it was last year. But uh, yeah, I think for the most part, it's probably going to be a large majority brown unless some crazy wild thing goes down. And I, I mean, I guess I'm down to see it, but otherwise all hail small mouths. Yeah, well, all hail small mouths. Um, <laughs> I, it, it would be interesting to see how the largemouth bite shapes up because last year, like, guys made the cut fishing for mostly largemouth in Fishing Creek, mostly. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you could really legitimately do a back-of-the-creek, I'm-going-to-catch-five-largemouth-a-day kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. And this year, it's a little bit later in the year. Theoretically, that should be harder to do. Largemouth shouldn't play as much. I think if we end up with a low-weight tournament, I think then the largemouths play more. I think if our weights are good and like a lot of guys are catching bags in the teens then smallmouth party that's the theory i would say yeah 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 i think that i think that's about right cool 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 um let's see what else do we have on our list here um anything else about cumberland does should we should we touch on um um they uh they salted the ramps the other day at takeoff that can't uh, I never be good thought for I would, the fish. I, pro- probably not, but uh, I, I never thought uh, I would see that anywhere other than Minnesota. So, uh, you know, shout out to us for yeah, worrying about. I didn't know they salted the ramps in Minnesota. Uh, well, I'm not saying like here in, in Vermont when it gets cold, do. people just are like, you know what? It's done. Tough luck. That the ramp is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Well, you know the crazy thing about here too is like when you start thinking about having ice on the ramps, like currently super these dangerous. boat ramps are they're a thousand feet long. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're forever long. Like it just screams disaster. Uh, so I'm all about like you know putting salt, and sand, and whatever down. Heck, I even saw uh, the other night they had like uh, salt trucks out on the road. I never thought I would see that in Kentucky. Dude, in the mountains in Kentucky, well, first of all, in Kentucky in general, they are hardcore about putting salt down. <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't plow, like, hardly anything, but they will put salt out. Um, and Just then, melt it away, man. <laughs> yeah, and then also, in the mountains, like, it's a long enough season, or it's a it, it's a long enough winter season that they do have to be cognizant of it. Um, yeah. I was talking with Dave Maxfield. Uh, the uh, this was, I guess, back at the All American, and he told me that there were there used to be guys who, when they were fishing like in East Tennessee, when they knew there was a snowstorm coming, they would go put their boats in the water, and then camp at the launch ramp because they knew they weren't going to be able to either get to the lake or put their boats in the lake once oh. the storm came. But they would just stay on the lake and fish until it melted enough to they get to where they could get their boats back off. <laughs> Which Dude, that's I hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty hardcore. Hopefully, it's not quite that level this week. Um, 
gosh. Yeah. But I mean, it should be a good. It's it's cool to have a winter tournament. I I will say you and I were talking about it a little while ago. If they wanted to just postpone this championship until like, you know, April on the Harris chain, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> yep, would would have been all for it. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of cool for us to really branch out. And if we ever need extreme weather condition photos, well, now we got them. Cause, now we got some. Yeah. I mean. We had that BFL at snowed at a couple years ago, and then uh, we've got this, and hopefully it doesn't snow at any more tournaments, at least not too much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let me mention some tournament registration stuff, and uh, then we'll like kind of roll to some other potential newsy things. Uh, oh, yeah, sound good? good call. Yep. All right, so... Um, basically across the board, uh, tournament registration, like starts soon or is currently open. Like if you're trying to enter the Toyota series right now, um, you actually can, um, like it's, if you, if you fished last year, basically you can get in, um, as of literally while we're talking, but anyway, so the Toyota series stuff is open next week, um, the Phoenix Phoenix Bass Fishing League stuff opens, and then the 14th and the 15th are when the college fishing registration opens. Currently, high school fishing registration is open. So, I realize listing all that off right now probably hard to act on, but I guess know that if you're trying to enter a tournament for 2021, pretty much now's the time. Yeah, yep. Um, the other thing is that there is now a, quote, wild card division of the Toyota series. So you can fish four or more tournaments in any combination of the Toyota series divisions and keep your three highest finishes. Um, then of those three highest finishes, they will pull the top... 12 anglers um, from that. And it's pros and co-anglers. Anyway, they'll pull the top 12 of that those, and they get to go to the championship too. So, it's an, if you basically, it's a way to kind of encourage people to fish more tournaments. It's a higher bar that you've got to cross, kind of, because mm-hmm. it's 12, but theoretically you might be fishing against a little bit smaller pool. Um, Although there are quite a few people who fish, you know, multiple divisions. I'm not 100% sure uh, what takes precedence. Like, if you qualify for the championship via the Southern Division and also the Wildcard Division because you fish two tournaments up north. Like, I don't know how that flies. Um, Ooh, good question. I would guess that whichever division you qualify in first will be the key because historically that's how it's been like if like ron nelson usually fished the toyota series championship coming from the southeastern division because he would qualify there before he qualified from the northern division yeah yep so i am guessing that's how it is which would mean the wild card stuff is going to get kind of it's kind of almost a second chance so to speak like if you didn't make it in the southern division but you 
tack on a pair of top tens in like the central division and the northern division, well, you're in, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I don't exactly know, but it's a cool kind of extra thing that you might want to be aware of. Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's what I had for that section. <laughs> I like it. Um, the Bass Pro Tour field is out. Uh, the news around that is sort of twofold. Uh, I guess one is that John Cox next year is going to fish the Bass Pro Tour and the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, which from a you and I getting to see John Cox standpoint is excellent news. Muy bueno, yeah. <laughs> uh, we are huge fans of that and just John Cox in general. Um, do you want to like give me the rundown on like sort of the rotating cast of characters uh, announcement slash news? Oh, sure. So, uh, yeah, there are... So the the BPT roster is uh, 76 at the moment, but they fish 80, right? So there's four slots that are... Uh, yeah, well, it's 75 will be plus open. John Cox, so 76. Yep. Uh, so basically what they're going to do for that first Bass Pro Tour event on Sam Rayburn, which is like the end of March... They're going to take the top four from this year's Pro Circuit Angler of the Year standings. So that means Ron Nelson, that means Spencer Sheffield, that means Gray Buck, and that means Matt Becker are going to fish that first BPT. Then, going forward, so for the second BPT, we will have a Pro Circuit event uh, in between there, and then the top four finishers at the pro circuit event will fish the second bpt if that makes sense yeah and so the top four from okeechobee would fish the second bp best pro tour event the yes top, and then that'll yep that'll just go on the top four uh, from smith will fish the third and so on yep. and so forth yep and uh so like in theory uh you know you could have ron nelson's gonna win aoy <laughs> <laughs> Ron Nelson, uh, or you know, any one of these four guys could fish multiple BPTs, and uh, they uh, like most. I I talked to at least those four mentioned: uh, Buck, Sheffield, uh, Becker, and Nelson, and uh, they're all pretty like uh, fired up to have a chance to to fish it. Uh, they for the most part think it's pretty cool that you get to keep like sampling the waters. Uh, of that BPT format, most of the guys are pretty down with it, and they really just want to kick butt. So, yeah, you know. I mean, I suspect they also would have been fine with being invited for the full year, um, which I think is what some guys thought was going to happen. Um, but like, this will definitely spread it around, and it's a pretty good way to reward. You know, like if you do well, you're going to get to continue to do well. So, mm -hmm. it's interesting. Uh, it's it's going to be a little bit weird to keep track of. Um, Definitely. Definitely. That was the first thing I thought. Because, like, you're going to have... I, I think the travel works out, like, okay for guys, but it's definitely going to be... It's not usual that you get to fish for $100,000 or, you know, for a really big paycheck and then have the tournament happen, like... And then let you get into the tournament like two weeks before it happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit uh, of a different thing. Um, 
But it'll be, you know, it's something they're trying. So hopefully it'll be good. And I mean, personally, I think that Ron Nelson will probably win like six of them this year. Yep, he's going to win another Pro Circuit ALY. He'll win BPT ALY. Uh, he'll win like four events. It's just, uh, you know, it's Ron's world. We're just living in it. I actually am not sure if they accumulate points. I don't know this for a fact either way. But, you know, when the BPT guys or Bass Pro Tour guys came and fished the Pro Circuit last year in the Super Tournaments, they didn't get any points. Like, yeah. And they, they will not get points. Uh, the Pro Circuit guys fishing the Bass Pro Tour next year will not get points. But maybe if Ron fishes all of them. Maybe they'll retroactively be like, hey, Ron, we're going to yeah. give you some points. <laughs> yeah, actually, JK, uh, you did, you know, really good. So here's some points. Yeah. I would, what do you think, what do you think the most events, like, I'm going to phrase this poorly, but how many do you think, how many BPT events do you think will be fished by the pro who fishes the most of them? Or the, by the pro circuit pro who fishes the most next year? Does that make sense? How many will be fished? Like, so obviously um, the guys who are fishing the first one are your prime candidates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of those guys, I assume we think at least a couple of them will fish more than one. How many are they going to fish? I think I I feel like the top four, like to finish in the top four. You don't necessarily way. have to finish in the top. Maybe you do, but I don't think you need to finish in the top four. Because next year there's going to be Bass Pro Tour pros fishing the, you know, fishing the pro circuit. So, like, True. let's say John Cox wins at Smith Lake. Well, then you're only going to need to finish in the top five. True. Let's say John but Cox I guess... wins at Smith and Jordan Lee finishes second. I'm just saying. Maybe. I'm, I'm spitballing no, no, here, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still feel like it, it's going to be such a be specific window you have to finish in yeah. at each event that I think two is realistically, like, I think I'd be impressed. You know what I mean? If one of these four guys fishes the second one. Now, the same token. So you're saying that you think Ron Nelson will only finish in the top five once? Or top, sorry, top four once next year? Uh, Possibly. Okay. I mean, I could believe that. At the same time, I mean... Look Honestly, at Smith two, Lake in March. I, I, mean, I know, I know. That's like two. Two just seems like a really it. safe bet, I guess. I'm gonna go three, but like I could see Spencer also uh, fishing multiples of them. Yeah. So or now, just saying, I love me some Gray Buck. I love me some Matt Becker. They love the St. Lawrence. Oh, That's they were two. both fired if, up. If either about... one of those sneaks, if either one of those guys sneak in another top four before that, and actually, Matt Becker's first uh, pro top ten was on Smith Lake. I'm sure we all remember that. Um, you don't. It's okay if regular people don't remember that. We do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, if Becker, I gosh, this is like a. I hope he's not listening, but. When he made that top ten, I was like, "Man, good job!" I was like, "This is cool." He's a guy from Pennsylvania. He won last year. Maybe he's maybe he's good. And then you know, here I am last year. I was like, Matt Becker is the best 
bass fisherman in the north <laughs> was my <laughs> which actually turned out pretty well i'm just saying yeah yeah it did um i think three is the number to shoot for that i think i want i think one of those okay. guys will make it to three okay i mean again i i definitely don't think it would be like i wouldn't be surprised at all i just still think it's such it's such kind of a small window. oh it's hard yeah it's like it's got to line up so ridiculous too yeah but i mean hey i'm down let's hope one of them fishes four or five you know tell you what if one of them fishes five we are gonna have an <laughs> aoi blowout on our hands <laughs> uh, this is gonna be something else baby. <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's it's a little excessive well i guess let's see that would be four top four finishes and there are one two three there are six events yeah that would probably i mean you would have to like bomb pretty hard in those subs in those other two to yeah, not yeah, be looking would. real prime on the AOI front. Um, cool, cool, cool. Well, I, I like it. I'm definitely... We're going to create a scoreboard of who has fished to the BPT. Um, I feel like yeah, I, I feel like I definitely need to set up like a little whiteboard in my office or something uh, to keep track of this. Yeah, we need we need chalkboards. We need dry erase. <laughs> we need some... We need some hard copies. We need... We need like a, uh, we could probably make that in like teams, right? Couldn't we do like a teams uh, chat thing or something or share like a document? We probably could. I'm not sure we want to do more with teams than we do already, but certainly (laughs) we could. uh... Maybe I'll just stick to the whiteboard and just text you pictures of it. Now we're talking. Um, Let's see. We've got some BFL news. Well, it's not really news. It's tournament results. You want to give it to us? Yeah, so uh, I guess, well, this would have been the week before Thanksgiving, maybe? A couple weeks ago? Uh, we had the uh, Phoenix Bass Fishing League wild card on Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, that was presented by fishintel.com, and Austin Culbertson won it. Didn't even practice. He couldn't practice. Uh, but he's from around there, and uh, he weighed 25 pounds, 9 ounces. Uh, he won by, like, four pounds four and a half pounds ish only caught eight bass uh the whole tournament so four each day i think is what it was though i don't have the standings in front of me um but yeah he basically like he says he basically just kind of like felt the fish out caught some on a spook caught a five pounder uh the first day um he also tried the top water bite on the second day, caught some fish on a jerk bait. Uh, basically, just like kind of floated through it, felt it out, pieced together things, and uh, yeah, he's going to the All American in twenty twenty one. Yeah, definitely, it was not. It was like the least barn burner of a tournament you could have. Um, yeah, which I'm actually kind of surprised it wasn't. I thought it was going to be better. Like, better, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I wasn't there. Like, who knows? You know, there literally could have been some weird weather conditions or something. But, yeah, it was not what you want to see. Um, it had an interesting field. Um, none of the guys whose names I really know did well in the tournament at all. 
Uh, so, you know, props to the guys who I don't really know who caught him. Um, and, you know, good luck at the All-American. Because yeah. uh, it's next spring, actually, not in the fall, on Douglas, and should be a good time. Kind of summer, mm-hmm. actually. Um, um, oh, I suppose I should – I'll just run down the six boater names uh, that qualified. Is that cool? Then we can move on. I, I'm here for it. Uh, Austin Culbertson, uh, obviously, because he won it. Kyle Kitts, uh, Harmon Davis, Joey Schmidt, Garrett Johnson, and Richie Marsh are going to the All-American. Well done. <laughs> um, okay, I love it. Uh, Kyle, our last section of the podcast is sad. Do we want to talk about anything else before we get to it? No. No. We should uh yeah, we should we should bring it bring it down a little bit here. All right. Um well, anyway, uh folks probably know this, but we're telling it to you now. Uh just a couple days ago, uh when you're listening to this anyhow, Ron Linder passed away, and then last week Phil Marks passed away. Um both are obviously like ground probably like honestly they're both important and groundbreaking in different ways in the fishing industry mm-hmm. um i knew phil a little bit i didn't know ron i knew i know enough linders that i generally like them i feel sad about that phil just made a top 10 this year um down at uh toledo bend toledo bend like kyle mm-hmm. you interviewed him for that one um, yeah yeah so, uh, anyway, I guess rest in peace. Kyle, do you have anything off the top of your head? Uh, I mean, like you said, I, I mean, I have, you know, known about Ron Linder since I was old enough to remember stuff, uh, basically. Uh, and, yeah, watching that dude growing up, I had the chance to meet him a couple times and, and you know, talk fishing with him. And uh, super nice guy, like you said, the rest of the Linder family. Uh, also super cool people so uh you know feel pretty uh feel the weight of that one and as far as phil marks goes like i never really had the chance to interact with him a whole lot until like you know i'd say let's just say like 2014 maybe to now but yeah when i got to uh got to talk to him at toledo bend this year and uh you know, he was just as like smiley and happy as could be, even though, you know, he's, uh, he was battling cancer. Uh, yeah. Made a top 10. Uh, you could still tell he was all fired up about fishing. He said he was a little more tired than normal, but, uh, you know, he still kicks some butt and, uh, that's what, you know, aside from doing well in tournaments, Phil did a lot of really cool stuff, uh, as far as like, uh, 10 XDs, lure creations and, uh, product development and stuff like that so um you know there's probably a lot of fishing lures that uh you guys listen to this you know if you use striking stuff probably a lot of stuff that phil had a hand in designing so um you know that's another another tough loss for the fish community there yeah no no doubt it's uh i don't know it's uh it's sad like and definitely I, I didn't know I mean I'm more new of Phil than new Phil but not and I didn't know Ron at all but I've 
know enough lenders where like I feel like I knew him a little bit. Yeah. And that one yep. that one really seems to hit home a little bit more. Uh but either way, super bummer. And I mean I don't know. I don't say about this, but we're saying it. So anyway. I guess thanks for listening at this point, folks. Um yeah. do we have anything else we want to do, Kyle? I uh, I don't think so. All right. Um podcast at flwfishing.com if you want to send us emails or podcast at majorleaguefishing.com they both work yep whatever you're feeling yeah um let's see for uh had something else oh weigh-in starts at 2 30 for eastern time for the toyota series event which is early and we i want to make sure we get that out there because i feel like a lot of people will not be expecting that Yep, takeoff's at 7.30. Uh, so it's going to be like kind of dark at takeoff and probably dark by the time weigh-in's over. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to December. Love it. <laughs> also, shout out to being like on the central time, eastern time uh, split. Yeah. Because it's basically the same. Uh, it's really trippy. Like ye- yesterday when I met Nick down by the dam, uh, the dam is in central time. So, like, I left in Eastern time and then basically went back in time. And uh, it's kind of, I had to set my phone to just stay on Eastern just so I wouldn't get mixed up because it's, it's kind of trippy. Yeah. That lower end, especially, like, the lower end on the Western side is so weird. Because there's parts of the lake you never even need to think about it being on Central time. And you get yep. down there and you're like, you, boop, 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 you're hopping all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then you're kind of like, oh, man, what time is it, actually? Yeah. And then it was even more trippy because at the little rental condo we're in, uh, the clocks in here did not get set back for daylight savings. So then, like, I drove from Iowa, got here, and was like, okay, my phone is in Eastern time. I'm pretty sure. And then I look at the, you know, like the microwave, and it's an hour ahead. And I'm like, wait a minute. What time is it currently? <laughs> I had to Google it <laughs> just, nice. just to make sure I was on the right page. What time? <laughs> Imagine Googling what time is it. That, what is, that's what you put in though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. You know, and then it like pulls like your Google location. So, you know, it's accurate. And I've made it, you know, X amount of however many days I've been here so far. I haven't been late to anything yet. So I think, uh, I think we got it dialed now. Yeah, the uh, definitely, I would say doing a little Googling or definitely setting your phone to stay in Eastern is the way to go for there. Um, yes, yes. But anyway, that's the thing. Uh, FLWfishing.com will have a lot of coverage. We'll have a live leaderboard running. We're going to do some bloggy type things, some just midday update type things. We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants a little on that. Um, but we should be good to go. I think and, so. Yeah, I guess if you got any, I don't know if anybody has anything else, let us know. But that being said, Kyle, I always enjoy talking with you. It's always a pleasure, Jody. And uh, yeah, brace yourself for some uh, guys super bundled up catching big smallmouths. And I guess until next time, see ya. <laughs>